This podcast is brought to you by Amanda Bullen and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. And this is the first time ever in 36 years, I just told you my age, that my dad has allowed me to preach on a Sunday morning. So I am very honored that he would allow me to do this. And most people don't call me Amanda. I'm kind of known as Coach Bullen. Um, I teach and coach here in town. Um, You might say, then then why are you preaching? Because I love Jesus, and uh, that's just what God asked me to do. So, um, hey, thanks. Um, You know, I am a wife and a mom, and so we watch a lot of movies at our house. How many of you have ever seen Alice in Wonderland? Anybody ever seen Alice in Wonderland? Not the weird new version, but like the old, because the new one is weird. Anything with Johnny Depp, I feel, is weird. But within Alice in Wonderland, she steps into a world that is unknown. She steps into a wonderland that overwhelms her and is at an absolute loss of what direction she should go. So she finds a Cheshire cat, and she asks him, would you please tell me which way I ought to walk from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to go, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you walk, said the cat. So long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat if you only walk long enough. So I got reminded of this scene in the movie because a lot of times in our life, we want to go to God and we want to seek direction on where to go, but we really don't want the, easy, the hard way. We want the easy way like Alice did. Like, I just want the easy way. I don't care where I end up. Just take me wherever. And within our world today, we have people trying to decide whether to go left, right, up, down. There's a constant confusion, and we get stressed out over the small choices because we're so scared that we're going to mess up. But we've been in a six-week series at church called Made for More. And as Christians, as believers, we're made for more, meaning if I call on God and ask for direction, he's going to give it to me. So this morning, we're going to talk about how you were made for more direction. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now that your word would come alive this morning. Father, that you would speak in the hearts and the minds of each one of us. And Father, you, Father, would lead us, you would guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. So a lot of times in our life, We have different seasons where we're seeking direction. You might be seeking direction on what career to take, seeking direction on what school to put your kids in, seeking direction, should I marry this person, seeking direction on anything. There's many seasons where you're going to be seeking the Lord for direction and asking him to lead you. So let's dig into the word and see what it says about direction for our lives. So I told you I'm a teacher. So I get to teach 11th grade Bible. And one of the things I tell my students before we open the Bible and before we get to our text that we're reading, we have to know the context. We have to know the history of what has happened. So before we start in 22, I want you to know what is prefaced where we're at. So where we are at is with a man named Abraham. Now Abraham had been given a promise And God had asked him, leave the land, leave the country, leave your family that you're comfortable with, trust me, and go to an unknown place. And he obeyed. 
and he went. And along this journey, the Lord gave him another promise. And that promise was, you will be the father of many nations. Well, let me tell you about this promise. This promise seemed impossible because Abraham's wife was unable to have children. And so in order to be the father of many nations, you kind of need to have kids, right? He had a hard time having kids. So his wife says, you know what, God, you're taking too long. I'm going to go into my own hands. And there's this crazy sister-wives love triangle that happens between Hagar, Sarah, and Abraham. And they end up having their own child, Ishmael, out of Hagar and Abraham. And then we get to chapter 21, and it is the promise being fulfilled. The promise was a little boy named Isaac, and he was the promise that God had given. So now we pick up in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And it said, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. I want you to stop right here. If you've ever heard me speak, one of the things I do is I stop and I break it down. And so within this text, we see that God said, after all these things, he tested Abraham. So Abraham had already gone through testing. He's already gone through battles. And guess what? He has his promise. He is living in the promised land. He has his son Isaac, and it pretty much insinuates to me, Abraham's like, God, I'm just ready to chill. Like, you did what you said, and guess what? The battle's over. I've already won. And then we go to verse 2, and he says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. One on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So I have to stop right there. And there's a word in there that has uh, captured me for the last nine months. And that word is only. If you look in your text, God says, take your only son, Isaac. The reason why this word has gotten me, because God could have said, hey, take your wife, take your servant, Take your dog. I said first of all, it sounds like a country song, right? Take your wife, take your dog. But anyways, I won't sing. But he says, take your only son, and he names him Isaac. Remember, he had two sons. He had Isaac and he had Ishmael. But God said, you take your only son, Isaac. Do you know why God said that? Because Isaac was his heart. He had believed God for this promise. And all of a sudden, God is saying, Take the promise that I've given you. Take those dreams. Take those things that I've fulfilled, and now I want you to sacrifice them to me. So here's the thing, is that sometimes your only is maybe something you've believed for. You see, God could have said, hey, give me, give me Ishmael, and that would have been easy. Abraham easily could have sacrificed him. But God said, no, 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 no. I want you to take your only. I want you to take your only, maybe your only accolade, your only dream, your only title. Because a lot of times what happens in our life, we stand on the word and we pray, God, I ask for a spouse. Give me this promotion. Father, give me direction. I pray for this child. And then you know what happens? It becomes our only. And Jesus is not our only. 
that thing, that title, that promotion becomes your only. I told you that this small word only has gotten to me for the last nine months. The reason why this message is going to be filled with such anointing is because I've had to live it. You see, about nine months ago, we knew a shift was going on in our family. My husband and I have been in the ministry since day one. He and I were the associate pastors here for 10 years. And last year, we felt on our heart that God was calling us somewhere else. So my husband applied for the job at the school that I teach and coach at to be the athletic director. As time moved on, we realized he was going to get the job. But in order for him to get the job, they asked me to step down as the head girls basketball coach. And you might say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, let me give you a little back history. This was a job that I had believed for. This was a job that I had worked for. This was a job that outlandish lies were said as to why I got it. I fought for this job. And guess what? I did this job as unto the Lord. And you know what God asked me to do? He said, I want you to sacrifice it. And I said, God, that's no, that's not fair. And then you know what? He brings me to the story of Abraham and he says, Amanda, is your only a title? And you know what? I had to come to a place and realize something that I had trusted God for, that I had journeyed, that he had answered my prayer. I had actually gotten so tied up in a title that Jesus wasn't my only. I had shared the throne on my heart with something else. And then not only that, that's going on. And then all of a sudden, my orthopedic surgeon says, oh, by the way, you have to have full reconstructive shoulder surgery. And so I'm like, well, not only is my title taken away, all of a sudden my body's taken away. And some of you, that might not be a big deal. Let me tell you something. If I don't spend time with Jesus and I don't work out, this is not nice. I'm mean and I'm ugly if I don't spend time doing those two things. It's not good. You can ask my family. And so all of a sudden, a title is stripped away. And all of a sudden, I can't work out for four months. And I have to come to a place and see, God, you haven't been my only. And it was ugly. And it was hard. But it was a place that I needed to get to. You see, I had sacrificed my life. I had sacrificed my money. I had sacrificed titles. I'd sacrificed my accolades. But I had never fully surrendered. Because sacrifice is one step with the Lord. But surrendering, that's a whole other depth to go into with the Father. And so when you say, when I ask you what your only is, don't automatically raise your hand and say, it's Jesus, because you need to take a step back and you need to look. So the number one way, we're going to go over three ways to know your God-given direction. Number one, you need to know your only. But you're like, no, 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 no. I just want God to show me which way to go. No, 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 no. You need to know your only before he shows you where to go. What is your only? So let's pick back up in verse 3. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering. And he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. 
You see, Abraham knew this was a three-day journey to Moriah. He knew that that would give him plenty of time to change his mind. So he knew, I have to be disciplined. So look back in the text, and it said he did several things that disciplined. He rose early. That meant the Lord spoke to him, and he immediately obeyed. The second thing he did, he saddled his donkey. So that means the Lord gives you direction. You've got to be prepared and obey. It's not just going to happen. And then it says he chopped the wood. Because you knew what? You know what? He wasn't going to show up to a place of obedience and sacrifice that was going to take place. And the Lord just, oh, there you go, it's easy. No, he had to put forth effort. You see, discipline is part of our obedience to God. It amazes me how many people say, God, I need a miracle from you. I need you to come work in my life, but we don't want to do anything. We don't want to partner with God. If we want bondage to break, if we want freedom to come, if we want the Lord to give us freedom from addictions, and guess what? I better prepare. I better do something. So that means if you have an addiction to Netflix, to yourself, to porn, to food, I better do something differently. If I have an addiction to food, because you know there's addictions to food. Food is not supposed to control you. Do you want to know what addiction is? Here is Amanda Bullen's definition. Anything that tries to control me. Nothing should control you but the Lord. So if I have an addiction to food and I go to the grocery store and I stock up on soda, on Slim Jim, on Little Debbie's, guess what? Then I go home, I'm going to fail. And I'm going to say, God, why aren't you here? Well, have some discipline. Plan. Prepare. We see that Abraham planned because discipline requires a plan. It pushes me for the uncomfortable. Last year, the story that I'm telling you, can I tell you that the most uncomfortable time of my life happened last year? Let me tell you what happened. Crazy Amanda came out. A title was taken from me. My body was taken from me. And I'll be honest with you. I was not nice to my kids I disrespected my husband, and I was in a dark place with the Lord. I loved the Lord. I've lived for the Lord. I served him, but I was struggling. And it was ugly, and it was messy, because things that were down deep in my heart had come to the surface. And here's what I want to ask you. As the the scripture that we read, we just read this as if Abraham didn't have an ugly reaction. That he just said, okay, God, this sounds like fun. I'll go sacrifice my son. As a parent, I know that he had to have been shaking on the inside. But on the outside, like, God, I love you, but like, this is my kid. This is the promise that you've brought me. And and you've brought me through trials. And I know you've tested me. And I know you're good, but, but this sucks. And I don't want to do this. But God, I know that you've been faithful and you will be faithful again and again. And even when it doesn't make sense, I will trust you. And then it says not only discipline, but if you look back in verse 3, it says he brought two young men with him. So that's not a coincidence that the adjective young is in there. When you think of the word young, that means people who were young and strong. 
Abraham knew, I believe, that if I don't have two people to keep me accountable, then you know what? I'm not going to go through with my obedience because this obedience is so tough that I'm going to need two people to keep me accountable. So in reading that in my life, if I'm going to see God on direction for my life, I better have some godly accountability in my life. I better have people that can speak into me because our society is so connected right now with Snapchat, Insta, Facebook, Twitter, but literally right now we are the most disconnected society and loneliest society ever because of genuineness. We do not want to be genuine to people. We see people out at the mall. We see people at church. We see people on stages and we say, how, hi, how are you? And you're like, good. But all the while your world is falling apart. Your heart is breaking, but heaven forbid I let anybody know that I am in a battle because then everything will come crashing down, which is a lie from the enemy. You can never have freedom until you have accountability with people. Number one, you have to be accountability here. But number two, you need to be accountable with people. I'm not saying with everybody, everybody doesn't need to know your business, but you need to have one person that you can confide in. You see, two different rough patches in my life, one of them being last year, I have two women in my life that I can call and I can say, hey, I was really ugly today and I didn't do today well. I need you to pray for me. Or I can call and say, I need godly wisdom. And you know what sometimes happens? They give me a kick in the butt and they're like, stop being selfish. But you know what? It has made me go to a deeper level with God because they keep me accountable. So the second thing in your life is to know know God's direction for your life, is you must have discipline and accountability. Pick back up in verse 5. It says, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac his son. And he took it in his hand, the fire, and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. So do you catch that in those verses, that he didn't look at the two young men and say, hey, I'm about to go sacrifice my kid. What did he say? My son and I are going to worship. Worship is obedience. It's more than me being on a stage singing oceans and I surrender all. Worship is what you do and don't do in your life. You want to worship God? Do what he says. You want to worship God? Sacrifice what he asked for. You want to worship God? Surrender all. Our lifestyle and what we do can bring worship to the Almighty God. So then it says in verse 7, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. So we see right here, Isaac asks, hey, hey, dad, where's the sacrifice? And his dad looks at him and says, yeah, God's going to provide it. You So a lot of times we think when we read scripture like that Isaac was like two or three years old. 
Can I tell you that scholars say that Isaac was between the ages of 14 and 20? So right now, I have a son that's almost 13. I wear heels so he's not taller than me right now. So he's like this tall. Do you not think that a 14 to 20-year-old doesn't realize what's about to go on? He sees, I'm going to have to be surrendered to my dad. But my daddy is surrendered to God, so therefore I trust my dad. So verse 9 says, When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, and they laid the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Okay, if you're a parent, I want you to think about this. You have your kid, and you're bounding him, and you're looking eye to eye, and he realizes, I'm the sacrifice. And you realize that he realizes he's the sacrifice. And I guarantee you they both were crying because they knew, God, we love you, but we're going to have to sacrifice. And it says he bound him up. And then it says the wood was laid down, and he laid him down. And I can guarantee you their eyes were pierced, and they were staring at each other. And they trusted God so much. I mean, Isaac was 14 to 20. Y'all, he could have ran away. But he surrendered and he laid there. And then it picks up and says in verse 10, Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on that boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son for me. And so from this text, his son is down. He has the knife and he is ready to do it. His son and him have to have locked eyes. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, stop. Don't slaughter him. For God says, for I know that you fear and you revere me since you have not held back. Can I ask you, what are you holding back from God? Because when we hold stuff back, it's easy to give God stuff that doesn't matter. It's easy to say, hey, here's Ishmael. Hey, here's this. But when God says, I want your Isaac I want your only thing. I want your dream. I want your possessions. I want your children. God, I'm out. Like, that's way too intense. Can I tell you the direction for your life and a God-driven purpose and a God-driven life, it's going to be uncomfortable and it's not going to be like anybody else. You were destined to live a unique journey. God has purposed each one of you, but what it's going to take on your part is sacrifice. And then it's going to take some effort because you cannot think, you cannot live, you cannot act, and you cannot live like anybody else. People are going to think, what is wrong with your family? We love God. We're not going to do that. I'm sorry. We've sacrificed unto the Lord. You see, surrender is hard. It is to love God more than anything to serve and honor him with that which is most dear to us. Surrender is giving him that which has been entrusted to us most. Surrender bleeds 
It costs everything. And for a moment, it seems like it leaves nothing. But can I tell you, a reward comes. And in verse 13, we read, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring. And it's the stars of heaven and the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Just as the Lord provided a ram, the Lord will provide direction for you. He will provide But not only does it say he'll provide, we see the direction he provided for Abraham. He provided a reward for Abraham, but because of Abraham's sacrifice and him surrendering, he said, not only you will be blessed, but your children, your grandchildren, all of your descendants, meaning my obedience is correlated with the legacy I leave to my children. If you want to leave your children a legacy of the Lord being on the throne of your heart, sacrifice, surrender. If you want to leave a legacy of selfishness, let yourself be on the throne of your heart. Because it says in the word of God that what you pass down to your children, it will be done in excess. Meaning, if I love the Lord with all of my heart, with all of my soul, you know what? My kids are going to love the Lord with all of their heart, with all of their soul. But if I love possessions and money and things and the approval of man with all of my heart and all of my soul, my children are going to get that in excess. So your reward, it's not just for you. It's for your legacy. So in pursuing God's direction for your life, the third thing is that you have to surrender. You see, no surrender goes unnoticed by our Father. Can I tell you that in my own life, when I surrendered, it brought peace. And it was hard. And I'm not a crier. And about the last nine months, I feel like I've cried more than I have in the first 35 years of my life. But the peace that God brought, not only to my heart, I got to a place where I realized, like, I get to be a mom one time. I have the opportunity to raise a young man and a young woman to love God. And here I am not wanting to sacrifice something because I had worked for it, because I wanted it, but God in turn turned it around. And he's not only blessed my relationship with my children through the hard, ugly conversations that my husband and I have had. Can I tell you that I've fallen more in love with my husband? But to another extent, God has opened up doors of mentoring and relationships with young men and women that I'm able to pour into them. And then even that My relationship with God, after I've sacrificed and surrendered, 
I'm at a whole nother level with the Father because I've realized, like, it's not about those things. Like, if he wants it, I'm just going to give it. Because if I know that he's good, then I have to trust that he's good. And that this puzzle piece that I need to see and I need to know where it fits in my life and my direction, I have to know that not only is he going to give me the puzzle piece, he's the creator of the puzzle. And that I should trust him fully, even when I don't understand, even when I don't see. So your surrender, it has a reward. You know, at the beginning, we talked about Alice in Wonderland. And Alice wanted a destination. Like, just tell me where to go. Can I tell you, in your relationship with God, you're never going to reach a destination. You're going to get somewhere, you're going to take a deep breath, and then guess what? God's going to give you new direction. And you're going to keep going. That's why it says in Scripture that you grow from glory to glory to glory. And so we cannot think that our direction is going to be easy. We can't think that I don't have to put forth effort and God is just going to rain down. It's going to take, number one, me figuring out what is my only and really asking myself, like, what is my only? Have I gotten stuck in this journey of something that I have asked for and you've given to me and I'm stuck here and really it's become my only and not Jesus? Or what am I not willing to discipline and have accountability for? And thirdly, have I surrendered? In Psalms 37, verses 23 and 24, in the New Living Translation, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. You see, the God that we serve, he's into every detail. He's got it covered. When I try to direct and lead my life, can I tell you the result? It's frustration, it's anxiety, and it's anger. That's why it's all across our nation right now. An epidemic of depression and anxiety because everybody's trying to do it on their own. But God says in his word, hey, show me. He says, I'll show you and I'll direct you and I'll delight in the details of your life. And guess what? If you make a wrong turn, I'll get you back on. I don't expect you to be perfect. God doesn't expect that. He just expects you to surrender to him. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.